0: You ready to turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3? This is the church that we split up actually into two parts. Looking at the church of Sardis, going over verse 1 of chapter 3 again. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, that you are ready to die, that, that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Now, we said this was a city, Sardis, very high up. We gave you some of the pictures uh, last week up on Facebook. You can see the elevation of the city. It is high up. It is a a good climb to get up there. And they felt that they were pretty much indestructible. And they had a a natural fortification on three sides. They just had to guard one side. But three times this city had fallen, uh, once to the Persians, once to Alexander, and then once to Antiochus the Great. Three times they had fallen, all in the same way, all without a fight, all without any bloodshed. The enemy snuck in through the foundation, through the cracks that they thought was intact. They didn't maintain the foundation, and the enemy was able to get in, albeit one at a time. It didn't matter. There was no guards. And they got on in there and and, uh, took over the city. These folks were so confident that their city would not be able to be attacked that the first time when the Persian king was outside the gate, uh, the king Of Sardis went to sleep and didn't even tell his people that they were under siege. That's how confident he was that they couldn't get in. And he was wrong. He woke up the next morning and saw them all inside his bedchamber and they had had fallen. So he says that the church has taken on the same problem here. They have not maintained their foundation. And because of the cracks, the enemy has gotten in. He says, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Says you got a name, and everybody says this about you, that you are alive, that you are full of life. So I hear about this name, and so I came on down to check it out directly, and I found that you're not alive, but that you are actually dead. He said, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Very often if we are in a situation where the life is being sucked out of us, we are looking for things we don't have, something that we are lacking, something that is gone. But he says, take what is remaining and strengthen it. That's what you need to do. There's things that are remaining that are about to die, and you need to strengthen them and get them stronger, and then you start to move forward. For I have not found your works perfect before God. That work there for perfect was full, not necessarily uh, perfection as we sometimes think it. But be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. So these are the first two things he tells them, be watchful. It's a necessity. You need to wake up. You need to be on guard. They were not on guard. The the times that their city had fallen before, they'd gone to sleep, and the enemy was able to get in, and the same thing was going on here. We have to be mindful that the things that are in our foundation, that we continue to maintain them. Just because we know that Jesus is our healer does not mean that that foundation cannot crack. We need to constantly maintain it. Just because we know that he is our righteousness doesn't mean that that foundation can't crack. Just we know, just because we know that he is our source and our strength and all these things that he is, the enemy can get in and can undermine us. And we need to always be going back over these things and, and verify the, the foundation. I've noticed this about uh, uh, some people. Have you ever seen some people that, you know, if, the, if people get up and they say, we're going to talk about righteousness, and they all begin to hoot and holler. Like, all right, we're going over basics and stuff, and and begin to hoot and holler. Most of the times those people are putting on a show. Not always, but most of the time those people are putting on a show. It's not a matter of getting emotionally excited just because we're going over some kind of a basic principle. What it means is, oh, okay, this is something I need to uh, brush up on. All right, I'm going to listen attentively. I'm going to make sure. Compare the word with how I am doing. And we listen attentively. We don't get slothful. Oh, righteousness. Oh, I know that stuff. Oh. All right, we'll endure this. Or you know, if, we're, if we got the preacher on the TV, we'll switch to a different one. I don't like that message. I'm, I'm okay with that. No, make sure that you, you continue to go on and maintain the foundation. We want to pick up where we left off here, verse 3. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Now, as always is the custom with Jesus... Whenever he says stuff, it is always power-packed. People have received entire life missions in six or seven words. It's it's just what he says. It's just so power-packed. Brother Hagin, remember his life mission? Go teach my people faith. Well, there was so much in that. He was to go. He was not to stay in one spot. He had to go and teach my people faith, and he, he did that and he ordered his behavior for the rest of his life around those commands. And we see that many other times in the in the Bible where people were given a command by God go and do this. And and they did. There's a lot in the words of Jesus. Remember therefore how you have received and heard. The word here for remember is the word to mean exercise memory, to recollect, to rehearse, to make mention, be mindful or remember. What's interesting about this word is the root of it is actually what they use for a sepulcher, a tomb, or a cemetery. You wonder why in the world would you use a word like that? Uh, because those those are places of remembrance. A lot of times we take our memories and we bury them, but uh, we're not supposed to be burying these things. To exercise memory, to recollect. I like this one. To rehearse. How do you rehearse something? If you're going to be in a play, how do, you memorize, how do you memorize the lines? How do you rehearse? You go over and over and over and over. Have you ever watched one of those movies and they have a couple of uh, actors, playing actors in the movie? What do they say? Can you help me read my lines? And so they would read the other person's lines and they would begin to, to interact and, and go over theirs. They're helping them to rehearse to rehearse, to go over and over, to exercise memory. You exercise memory, you, know, you have to go back and remember it. How many, how many memories do we have in the past that we haven't exercised in a while and they kind of got a little sketchy? We didn't remember them all that well. Or maybe you have the uh, Super 8s or the uh, VHSs, these real old ones, You know, you got to, and you pull them up and you put them up there on the screen. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, I remember that time. We didn't exercise the memory all that often. To exercise memory, to recollect, to rehearse, to make mention, to be mindful, basically to remember. A couple of places where this is used. In Matthew 16, verse 9, do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Now, that's, I put that verse, there's a lot of places you can go here and pull this verse out. I pulled that one out for a particular reason. We'll get back to that in just a minute. In Luke 17, 31, In that day who, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Well, Lot's wife was one in the Old Testament. You know, She turned around, she looked back at the things that she was giving up. And was uh, sad about that, and uh, he, he said, remember that. She messed up. Remember what happened. Don't forget. Don't forget it. But I want you to go back to 16 and 9, Matthew 16 9. Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Here's a real important thing about remembering is that when you rehearse, When you recollect, when you exercise memory, you are going into the the past to remember the events as they happened, but you should do so with the revelation that you have today. You should do so with the revelation of what you have today. I'll give you an example of this. How many have ever seen a movie twice? Yeah. And sometimes we've seen a movie three times, four times. Can you remember seeing the movie the second time and seeing something at the beginning of the movie that all of a sudden made completely different? You, you understood it completely different. Oh, I didn't understand that. Oh, I see where they went with that. Oh, I missed that the first time. Because you were seeing it, you are recollecting it in light of what came after. In light of the revelations that came at the end of the movie. And then you go back, you say, oh, I see that. I see how that fits in. Oh, I didn't understand that before. Oh, that one sentence they said, that foreshadowed the whole thing of what was the... I didn't, I didn't pick that up. Or if you sat next to somebody who had seen the movie before, and what do they tell you, oh, don't miss this part. This part's real important. You don't know why. You just know it's important. Fortunately, hopefully they don't tell you why. Because you don't want anybody to the room in the movie for you as you're sitting there watching it. Well, this is what it should be like in, in life. We've had experiences with God. And when we went through it, our understanding was a, to a certain extent. But we've grown since then. And when we go back and we think these things, we need to understand, I need to take that past experience and remember it in light of what I know now. Because your understanding of that event can grow. This is exactly what Jesus is trying to tell these folks here. Do you remember the loaves that you picked up? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? He goes over in the same passage of Scripture and he says, what about the 4,000? How many were taken up then? Do you not understand And this whole thing took place in an episode where Jesus said to them as they were getting into the boat. Remember his words? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves. It is because we forgot to bring bread. And Jesus then goes to them and says, Do you remember when we fed the 5,000? how many loaves did we take up? When we fed the 4,000, how many loaves did we take up? And do you not yet understand? Are you not remembering those events in light of what is going on now? And does it not bring you into a greater understanding? He's expecting that what happens to us in the past, we remember with the understanding of what we have today. Oh, I understood that completely wrong. I was thinking that that happened because of this. It didn't happen because of that. It was because of this. and Your your light that you're walking in now is greater than the light that you were walking in before. So you understand those things better. We need to sometimes go back and take remembrance of some of the things that have happened in our past and remember them better. Learn more from them. Take this for an example. How many of you know another Christian who has had an experience with God and has recalled it to you with a completely wrong interpretation? (laughs) We've all run into people like that. Well, yeah, God did this, and, well, God brought this upon me, or I had this go on, and God was trying to teach me this. From You're thinking, no, 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 no. You have certain light, and your light on that shows that that's wrong. But that's what they're remembering. Is that helping them? We may go back and remember stuff, but if we remember it incorrectly, if we have drawn the wrong conclusions, no matter what kind of memory you have on it, it will not help you. Look at it this way. Old Testament. Whenever the Israelites got into trouble, they always remembered Egypt. Did they remember it correctly? No, they always remembered it wrong, didn't they? When we were in Egypt, we had all the food we wanted to eat. We had onions, and we had leeks, and we had garlic, and we had all kinds of stuff. Oh, it was so good. And yet when they were there, what were they doing? Crying out to God, God help us, God get us out of here. (laughs) They don't remember that part. All they remember is how good it was. See, sometimes we can have a bad memory of the past, a bad interpretation of what has gone on before. And it brings us to a wrong place in the future. We need to rehearse the events that have gone on in the past. We need to go over them again. But we need to go over them in light of what I know now. Sometimes God will bring back an experience that we've had. And, oh, wow, I hadn't thought of that in a while. Yeah, I remember that. And we can go over that in light of what I know now. And then God can say, you know how you thought it was this way? Uh Uh-huh. It wasn't. It was this one. Ah, I see that now. I didn't have the ability to see that then because I wasn't walking in this kind of light. But now, yeah, yeah, I can see that now. Hmm. Just like you watch a movie second time, you understand the things that happened in the beginning better. And you might, if I asked you for a poll, what are some movies that are better the second time through? I'm sure some of us would have some, some, uh, some, some, I've heard some people talk about The Matrix. They say that's better the second time through. I didn't really see the whole thing in a part, but I could understand because it's a, it's a bit of a complex movie and maybe you have a better handle on, on what's going on. Uh, but there are movies out there that you know the second time through, oh, it's just, uh, you, you just understand it better. So remember, to exercise memory, to recollect, to rehearse, to make mention, to be mindful or To remember. He says, remember therefore how you have received and heard. He's asking them to remember specific things. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. He's saying, remember, go back and think about this. How did you in the past receive? How did you in the past receive? I didn't finish your part of your outline. Let me me go back through and do this. One of the big troubles we come upon in our Christian walk is our inability to recall, our inability to recall our false remembrances, remembering things in a way that they didn't actually happen, and forgetfulness. We're just forgetful of the things that God has done for us in the past. Three things. In our inability to, inability to recall, we just don't put ourselves, we don't apply ourselves to it, our false remembrances and our forgetfulness. So if we, const- if we constantly rehearse, review, and recollect the things which have gone on before, is there not more we can learn or learn better? Is there not more that we can learn? Is there not more that we can learn better? How you have received. Remember, therefore, how you have received. This is a pretty uh, general word. It's lumbano. It's, it's used pretty often in the, in the uh, New Testament. But here's a, a look at one of the ways that it's used, just to kind of throw a different light on a, on a verse here. In Matthew 8, verse 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took, that's the same word, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. In other words, what his word is actually saying is Jesus received our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. They were taken from a place and given to him, and he received them. And he took them on himself. This word is to to receive, very general word. So I put this question in your outline. How have you received from God before? All of us in our Christian walk have received things from God in a particular way. We have, uh, and it's not that that's the best way to receive. It's just the way that I've received. How many have ever developed a pattern? Maybe the way that you received from God was getting up early in the morning. Maybe the way you received from God was staying up late at night. Maybe the way that you received from God was taking walks. And as you walked and you conversed with God talk with God, things came to you. Maybe this is the way that you received. Maybe a way that you received, how many can remember receiving from God, going just uh, consuming tapes, CDs, now they are MP3s, whatever kind of things that were out there that you were. And you just take these things in. How many have received from God? Remember the times in prayer and, and you would hear from God and God would speak to you about things. And you had those times of prayer. You had those times you, 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 you made sure that you were in prayer, that you're in, meditating on the Word, and God would speak things to you. And then after a while, we kind of get away from it. And it's not that we got away from it and replaced it with something else. We just got away from it. And we sometimes we'll get back there and say, I just don't hear from God anymore. I'm not receiving from God like I used to. What he's saying is, go back to what worked. What worked for you. How is it that it helped you? How is it that you went about doing things and, and received? What did you do to receive things before? Go back and do it again. He says, I want you to go back. I want you to think about this. I want you to remember. I want you to rehearse in your mind. How did you receive before. Obviously, they've gotten away from it. And what they have replaced it with is either nothing or they replaced it with something that's inferior. We don't ever like to replace anything with something that's inferior, do we? We like to replace things with something that's better. That's always the, the best thing to do. You know, it's like I was, I was uh, out getting my truck maintenance uh, this, this week. And the time before I had maintenance, it, put the oil in and, and so forth. It was the very first time that I had used... A synthetic blend. I've always just used the regular oil and I change it every twenty five hundred to three thousand miles. I just was always under the school of thought, you know, just change it more often. And I never got into the synthetics because the synthetic idea was keep it in there longer and the oil doesn't break down. So I've done some research on it and found some things, you know, that okay that the synthetic probably does help even if you keep it in there longer, but it usually costs more money. So you don't want to always keep it in there, in there longer. So I put it in there, and this is the first time I'm always, always, Mike, I don't know about your car, my car tells me the, the engine oil life remaining. I hit a button and it says you have 50% oil life remaining. It judges it on the way that I drive, not by the number of miles. It actually looks at how fast I'm going, how often I'm stopping and starting, all these different things, and it takes all this into its little equation, and it determines the percentage of the breakdown of my oil. And it'll pop up, and it'll tell me these different things. Well, I'm usually always changing that thing at somewhere between 45 and 55% of oil life remaining. I'm over there changing the oil out. So I put this synthetic blend in for the first time, and so I thought, well, I'll take it down a little bit further, and then when I did that, I actually got into a couple of long deliveries on the, on the bunk bed things. I had to go down the shore a couple of times or a couple of places. And so uh, I wasn't able to get over to get a change. And so I was down. By the time I pulled into the oil change place, I was down to 2% of oil life. On my th- but of course, that's not judging on the, on the basis of a synthetic blend. It's judging on the basis of a non-synthetic blend. And so I'm actually ahead of time for a synthetic one. And so I went on in there and says, well, you know, it's my first time using this. But I said, how much more? It was a different place. How much more is your synthetic blend over the regular? And he says, well, it's only $14 more. Oh, for $14, bucks? yeah, go ahead and do it. let's, let's just do that. Because that synthetic blend actually coats the engine oil uh, better. And at startup, you have more protection than you do with the, uh, the other type. And so um, he was going about and he was doing this thing. He says, oh, we can't do the synthetic blend I was telling you about, we're out of it. But I'll tell you what, we will replace it with the next grade up. I said, okay. That's all right. You know, replacing it with the next thing up, that's okay. If he was to come to me and say, look, we're going to charge you the same amount of money, but we're going to replace it with the next one down, I wouldn't have been happy. But he came to me and says, we're going to charge you the same money, but we're going to replace it with the next one up. Okay. So I got a full synthetic blend in the, in the truck now instead of a, or a full synthetic oil instead of a synthetic blend in there now. So I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it for the next time if we change it out. But we'll think. remember that Mobile One commercial, Mobile One Oil, 25,000 miles between oil changes. They'd show the guy driving from the East Coast all the way over to the West Coast and back and back again and back again. Five times you can go back and forth, as they said, before you would uh, wear out the oil. <laughs> So anyway, if you're going to replace something, how many know it's better to replace it with something that is better than something that is inferior? But too often, Christians have replaced the way that they have received and the way that they have heard, they have replaced it with something that is inferior. Or a lot of times, we just haven't done anything at all. And the way that we heard, the way that we received, the way that we were growing before, we are not putting the same attention to it and we wonder why am i not hearing from god why am i not growing why are why is my christian life seem to be stagnant this isn't helping us he says remember how it was remember therefore how you have received and heard so the way that we received how have you received from god in the past what has worked for you the way that i receive may not be the way that you're going to receive The way that you receive may not be the way that I'm going to receive, and we're all going to be a little bit different in it. We're going to hear things a a, a little bit different. However, it is, how has God spoken to you in the past? Well, remember that, but remember it in light of what you know now, and get even more out of it. Go back through and and do that again. Did you ever have those times when you used to to sit back with some worship tapes and just worship God, traveling on down the road, and you put the worship tapes on, and you just sing songs to God? Had those times? And if it's been a while since you've done that, what have you you replaced it with? What do you listen to when you're going down the road now? So we need to remember, what is it that you did early on that caused you to grow, that helped you? This is what he's telling them to do. How did you receive before? Sometimes we run across people. They used to receive from God in all kinds of ways, but they don't do it now. They're not receiving from God now. They haven't tied it to the fact that they don't do the same things anymore. He's saying you need to tie this to the fact that you're not doing the same things that you did before. So first off, he says, the things that you received, and then he says, and the things that you have heard. The word there is the same word we get our word acoustics from. We've talked about this word before. And It means to hear in various senses. To hear in various senses senses not just what you hear with your ear what you perceive with your mind what you perceive in your spirit what you understand all these things what you give audience to or of what you come what comes to your ears what is reported what you understand this is what this word is talking about remember how you received and remember how it was that you heard. What is it that caused you to hear from God? What is it that caused you to hear the things that God was saying? You need to go back to some of those things. You need to listen and tie into what it is that He has been, been saying to you. I know from some uh, preachers that I've known, sometimes you know they come into uh, Bible school or they come into the, the place where they're learning how to be a Preacher or a pastor or a missionary, or whatever it is they're going to be. And they had come there and they used to hear from God. They used to pursue God. God used to speak to them about the Word of God. And, and then as they got into the, the place, now this is especially true of people who went through seminaries. Uh, a lot of people who go through a seminary, this is some of the things that they teach them there. <clears throat> they are no longer seeking God to hear what He has to say. They began to consult books and they began to consult other uh, people and theories on things, and are not hearing from God anymore. I uh, remember uh, uh, Brother Keith Moore, he was talking about somebody that he had a conversation with, and he was uh, somebody that he had um, uh, known as a minister, and he said to him, he says, you know, what do you think on this, this topic? And the person said, well, Professor so-and-so gave a lecture on that that seemed to have some, uh, some uh, substance to it, and he proposed this theory on it. I understand. And what do you think about it? And again, well, uh, there's another professor I had, and he had this theory on it. Then he began to tell him his theory on the thing. Okay, well, what do you think about it? Well, there's another professor I had, and he came on through, and he preached, and he had this theory on it. And the guy, he didn't have a, he didn't have a handle on it anymore. All he had was all these theories that people had uh, talked about. God wasn't speaking to me. Before, God was. How did you hear before? How did God speak to you before? Don't get away from it. You can replace it with something better, certainly. And I hope as we grow and as we learn, we find more ways to hear from God and that God speaks to us in, in all kinds of ways, but we need to have that hearing. Remember the things, that you, remember how it was that you received. Remember how it was that you heard. These things are important. This word heard, Matthew 2 and verse 3. When Herod the king heard this about maybe Jesus being born, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. He heard something. He didn't just hear the words that they said, this thing resonated on the inside of him. Matthew 10 and verse 14, and who was whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words. Whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words. It doesn't mean that they just hear. It means when they hear them, they turn it off. No, 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 that's not right. Whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when you depart out of the house, shake off the dust from your feet. Shake off the dust. You, if They're not going to hear. They're not going to receive. And you can tell. How many times you're talking to somebody and you can tell they've, they've written it off. You're still talking, but they've, they've tuned you out. No, I'm not listening to this anymore. You said something. You... Uh, you, you kicked in their defense mode. and I don't want to listen to that anymore. What has caused you to hear before? What has helped you to hear from God before? What has helped you to hear his word before? You got to make sure that you, you stay with it. Because if we do not, you become less attuned to the things of God. Become less tuned to, to what's going in. Some of you guys are back from college. Maybe you've been away from home for a little while. Maybe there were certain sounds that you were attuned to over at college. You became tuned into them, and now you're at home, and they're not there. Or maybe some of the things you used to hear at home, and you got away from here, and now all of a sudden you're hearing that you hadn't heard for a while. And I was like, oh, what's that noise? Oh, yeah, okay, I remember. That's, that's this thing over here. You See, we're not in the, in the practice of hearing that thing. we got to keep hearing You've got to keep pursuing and hear. think th- the things you hear from God are the most important things you will ever have. You've got to keep hearing from God. When God speaks to you, when he's, he's, He will speak to you about your job, He will speak to you about your life, He will speak to you about decisions. He will speak to you about what's coming up in the future. He will speak to you about where you're going. He will speak to you about revelation to help you help someone else. He will speak to you about all kinds of things. And if we cut off that source, we cut ourselves off from the very life that God has for us. And then you may want to try and get back into it later on, but you just can't. I I, I can't hear. I'm not hearing it the same way. It's it's just not sounding the same. I, 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 I I used to understand this. I don't understand it anymore. Don't get away from it. These folks had gotten away from it, and they're not hearing. Something not that God isn't willing to, to talk. They aren't hearing it. He goes on here. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. I'll tell you what, one sentence, and it is just so incredibly powerful. You could just spend all kinds of time just meditating on this one sentence in this whole letter that he has for them. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast. That word, therefore, hold fast means to watch. This is from vines. To watch over, keep, give heed to observe. To watch over, to keep to give heed to and observe. I've got a couple of references here. There's all kinds of places you can go in the Bible and see this, but I got a couple of them. I pulled out for you. So he said to him, in Matthew 19:17, "Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments." Same thing as hold fast. Same word. Matthew 27:35. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots, sitting, watch watch this verse, sitting down, they kept watch over him there. That whole combination of words there, kept watch over, is from this same word. This word is actually used of a prison where you put someone inside for the purpose of keeping watch over them, keeping a close eye on them. You want to make sure that you know where they are, that they don't get out into the public, they don't get out and cause harm anyplace. You put them into a place where you can easily keep an eye on them. If you say, where is so-and-so? He's right down there in cell number, in prison number, right down there. I know that's uh, put him in there. We locked the door. We've been watching over the hallway. He hasn't come out. I know where it is. That's what this word is talking about. One more, one more, Mark chapter 7, verse 9. And he said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Just because you are keeping something, just because you're holding fast on something, doesn't mean it's good. Here he says you have, take, you have rejected the commandment of God to hold fast on your tradition. What Jesus is exhorting this church to do is to remember how they heard. Remember how they received. And hold fast. Keep guard over. Don't let these things go anywhere from you. You keep tabs on them. You keep them around you. You make sure that what you do, the way that you heard, the way that you received, You keep it right there. I know exactly where it is. I've been doing it this way. I've been going about it like this. And you keep tabs on that thing. One of the most important things for you to do as you grow is to get yourself in the realm of the Spirit. In the realm of the Spirit, we understand things we do not understand outside of that realm. It is in the realm of the Spirit that you understand it. This is one of the reasons why, how many times have you heard me say, and you've heard other people say, if God gives you revelation on something... Write it down because you won't have it when you leave. Because in the spirit, you understand stuff that when you get out of that, you lose it. And when you first get that revelation, you're in the spirit, however it is you got there, you're in the spirit and God has spoken something to you and he said this to you. And oh, oh, that's so easy. And sometimes you just think, oh, that's so easy. Of course, I understand that completely. But as soon as you step out of that realm of the Spirit, it's gone. But if you write it down, you can go back and get it. If you don't write it down, you'll lose it. Because in the realm of the Spirit, you can understand stuff that you do not understand outside. Always write these things down. When God gives it to you, you let him know, Father God, I love it when when I receive stuff from you. I love it when I hear things from you. And I love it so much. That it takes priority in my life. I make sure I write it down. You, you keep it around. You keep, I have more than one way to keep things around. More than one way to write things down. I have electronic media that I use, and they all sync together. They will always sync together. I have my, my phone, my iPad, my iPod, my computer. All of them access the exact same stuff. So if I write something down from my phone and I pull it up on my computer, it's right there. It's they all sync together. If I get into a place and I am not by my phone, my iPod, my iPad, or my computer and I'm out there on my own or I just can't take the time to sit down there and do that, I keep a book with me that I can write things down in. It's this big I got little tabs on it, I can write certain things down on it, and I keep that around so that I can physically write the thing down, because I will not be without it. I I will always keep that thing around. Now, that thing goes with me everywhere I go. I I buy pants with the purpose in mind, where will I put that book? I buy pants for that purpose. Where where am I going to put it? And I have pants. If you've ever seen me work in a shop, I have pants. You will never see that book on me, but it's there. Because I have pockets that I can put it into, and I know exactly where it is. And as soon as I get something, I can pull that thing on out, and there's a pen right there with it. If not, around the shop, i got pencils all over the place. And I will write that thing down. I will grab my phone. I will grab my iPad. I will grab my iPod, because I'm usually always listening to one of those. And if I don't want to type it in, then I write it down in one of those. There have been times that just to get something quick, I grabbed a piece of wood and scribbled it on the piece of wood just so I didn't lose the thing. you you got to treat this stuff. you you, got to say, this is is everything. Because what you can learn with 30 seconds in the Spirit blows away weeks of study, weeks of listening and, and going after God. When God says, this is the time that you need this, you say, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I, I need it now. If it's in the middle of the night, what do you have that's, that's near you? Do you have something that's near you that you can write on? Make sure that you do. Keep something nearby. I can tell you what I have nearby me every time that I go to sleep at night. My phone is on a charger right by my head. It's right there. If I get something in the middle of the night, I can pull that thing off. I can hold it down lower in the bed so the light doesn't wake up anybody else in the room. And I can type away, I can write with my finger, I can do all sorts of stuff. And I can get that thing and, and have it down. I will not lose something that God gives me. I'll make sure of it. I have all kinds of ways to, to, make, to, to make that happen. And I'll tell you what, it is worth every penny. Because sometimes I thought, what was that thing that came to me when I was in the shop the other day? Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. I can't remember it. But if I, I look at it, oh, I got it now. And then sometimes I just take that and just get on down in prayer and just be praying about the whole thing and and God will open up my eyes to see even more from it. It's important. Know how you heard. Know how you received. And as he puts on there, hold fast to it. Hold fast to it. Keep it. Guard it. Do not let anything else get away from it. If I ever get something that I only write down on paper. It is not long until I commit it to something some kind of electronic media that is backed up in about fifty different places. Because when I have all these services that I use I talked about, they back their stuff up in about fifty different places. If it will not be lost. And if it is, there's a copy on all my machines. All my machines have a physical copy of it, plus there's a copy of it on their server. They're all over the place because I consider a revelation from God, an understanding from God, to be more valuable than anything. Make sure you treat it that way. It's so important. It will help you out. Sometimes you're going to get revelations today that will help you with something next week. But if you let it slip by, you're going to face a problem next week and you don't know what to do. And you're thinking, God, don't you care? I'm going through this problem. God says, I sent that to you before. You treated it as nothing. Don't don't do that. Don't treat it as nothing. And certainly don't reject the commandment of God to keep your traditions, to hold fast to your traditions. He says, hold fast and repent. We've gone over this word repent before. Metaneo, to think differently or afterwards. To reconsider or repent. It means to have a change of direction, a change of mind. It does not mean an emotional response. It does not mean that you have all kinds of tears. Have you ever repented from, uh, of something to God and just felt no remorse, no sadness? You know what? I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. And you just go, this word has nothing to do with emotional sadness. It means. It's a decision in your mind. I won't do that anymore. I may like it, but I won't do that anymore. That's all that it is. If we keep thinking that it's an emotional thing, we think, well, if I don't have, if I don't, you know, cry, if I don't uh, have sadness, if, if there's not something emotional that goes on, did I really repent? Yeah. Because in the Word of God, there is nothing about being sad as far as repentance is concerned. You ever run across people? who uh, they can repent with tears, sadness. all oh, they just make a big show of the whole thing and the next day they're right back at it. There's no change of direction. There's no change of mind. They're still going to do the same thing. They haven't changed all that. To think differently or afterwards, to reconsider or repent. Matthew 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Same word that is used there. All right, let's continue to go on here. Revelation uh, chapter 3, verse 4. You have a few names, even in Sardis. Now, remember, this is a city that has a name that you are alive. And he comes down and he says, but I found that you're dead. Your works are dead. You have a few names, even in Sardis. <laughs> Can you see the, the irony here of this? Jesus is saying this. Even in, even in your city, you still have a few names of people who haven't given over. A few. A few Here's a few things to learn from this. First off, you may be in a place where there is apostasy all the way around you. that does not mean you have to be fallen for it. In Sardis, even with all this dead works going on, he said, "You still have a few people in there. Look what he says about them. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. Every time the word of God talks about defiling your garments, it's talking about sin. Even in Sardis, where you think you are, you have a name that you are alive, but I have found your works to be dead. Even in Sardis, you have a few names who have not defiled their garments. A few. Don't ever think that because of the a whole mess of Christians have all gone off the deep end that you have to go as well. And he doesn't just say a few believers. He says, I love this. You have a few names. That means not only are there individuals out there who haven't done this, I know who they are. I know who they are. And they shall walk with me in white. This means a whole lot to these folks because that was a place, if you had people that you wanted to honor and you were royalty, you dressed them in white and they walked along with you. And they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. They are worthy. Not will be worthy. Not will be made worthy. But they are worthy. What you do in this life has an effect. Make sure that you keep it it good. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. The word therefore overcomes means to subdue literally or figuratively figuratively, to conquer, to overcome, to prevail, to get the victory. To subdue, conquer, overcome, prevail, get the victory. Luke twenty eleven twenty two. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all of his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. There's that same word, overcomes him. John sixteen thirty three. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace, In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. No matter how bad of an environment you find yourself in, evil does not ever have to overcome you. Think of Daniel. Evil kingdom all the way around him but it did not come upon him. Jeremiah, Elijah, these are people who stood against all the evil going around so it seemed to them that they were the only one left. In other words, there were Elijah's words, there were also Jeremiah's words. Jeremiah thought that he was the only one. No one else. I'm here spreading the word of the gospel. No one else is here saying the same thing. Even in the midst of all that, evil does not have to overcome you. He goes on, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. This has brought on the theory or the idea in the Word of God that every person born on this earth has their name written in the book of life. Every single one born on this earth has their name written in the book of life. But there are some things that we can do that can cause our name to be blotted out. This is why it's thought that the young children are saved, even though they haven't made a commitment to Christ, that there's an age of accountability. And after they hit that age of accountability, if they don't do certain things and they die, their name can be blotted out. And that's exactly what it means. It means just to take something that's written there and just to smudge it, just to make it so that it is unreadable. Smudge it right out, just cross it out, get rid of the whole thing. He's not talking about whiteout. He's talking about, I would just take you and just blot you right out of there. You're just not, not even in there anymore. I don't think it happens during your lifetime. I think that things are, are watched, and when you die and there's no more chance for you to do anything, I think at that point, the name is either blotted out or it is left in. And what happens is, the books are opened and we look. I don't see your name here. looks like it should have been here, but I don't see nothing anymore. Looks like you're not here. Look what he says. I will not blot out his name. From the book of life. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who confesses me before men, I will confess before my Father. So if you take that verse in light of this verse, he is saying if you hit a point and you can confess me before men and you decide not to, and then you die and you never change that course of action, guess what happens to your name? He says, no, but you overcome. You overcome. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Same word there for here. We need to be listening to what he's saying to the churches. These words are important for us. These are not just written to Old Testament saints. These are not just written to people that were around during the time of Jesus. These are letters that are written to the church. That's us. We need to hear what he has to say. And take those things. Because he has said this a number of times if you don't fix this, I will come and take your lampstand and I will remove it. But understand this in the in the area of Sardis, he may remove a church from its post, but he does not judge all individuals by what the church has done or hasn't done. He says there is a few in Sardis. You have not defiled your garments. You have not gotten involved in the same sin. You have not gone in the same direction. Put this in your outline. What we remember, how we remember it, and what we learn from it are all extremely important in keeping our Christian life on track. Are there some things that you remember about what God has done that you have remembered wrongly? That your light that you got from it was incorrect? Just because you remember a thing a certain way doesn't mean you remembered it right. Always be willing to look at what you have gone through in the past in light of what you know now. Because you may come into an entirely different view of that thing and it may really help you in where you're going or it may help you help others. Just because you came to an understanding of an experience that you had with God does not mean you came to the right understanding. And eventually you're going to walk in some light and you're going to learn some things and it'll change how you understand that event. But always be rehearsing. What has God done? What have I gone through? Best way to do it is to write them down. So they did in the Old Testament. They wrote these things down. They passed them on from generation to generation. This is what God did for us out in the wilderness. This is what God did for us. When we face this situation, this is how God helped us here. This is what God did for me here. They always were telling people, this is what God did. This is what God did. We rehearsed it. They went over it and over it and over it and over it. What has God done? How has God spoken to you in the past? How have you heard Him? Are you still doing those same things? Have you replaced it with something better? Or is it just gone? What he's saying to these folks is, get it back. Remember what you did. Get it back in your life. Save the things that are dying. Save them. When you do, you can go back and you can get some of those other things you lost. But take what you have and save it from dying. That's the church of Sardis. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us in our life. That we need to remember. We need to understand we have maybe come into some wrong understanding of past experiences. And our current light that we're walking in will help us with that. As we rehearse, as we go over all the things that you have done for us in our life, all the things that you have helped us with, Father, I thank you that you teach us, speak to us. We're always ready to hear, always ready to listen. Your words are the most important thing in our life. We want to hear them. We want to value them. Treat them with all the honor that they're due. Thank you for the way that you have spoken to us in the past, the way you continue to speak to us in the future. We are ready to hear. We are ready to do the things that we know. When we do them, we hear from you better. We won't let those things slip away. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.